Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pictures at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And now, get busy listening and get busy winning. Here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. Is this thing on? Is this take 17 or take two? As we go again on recording this edition of the show, Time Forms Mark Milligan is here. Good afternoon again. You know how you had technical difficulties with your internet and uh, you had to be in, which by the way, you can't ring call centers anymore. It just doesn't work. So now you have to sit in front of your safari going, uh, hello, can you send somebody out to fix this, please? It's not working. Yes, I've tried turning it off again and turning it back on again. I should have known something was up. And I should have just restarted the editing software. Twala's left. She's gone. Because... It's not, it's not enough. She just... She realized, just as we'd literally got to Baid, the second last race, she went... Uh-oh, there's an echo. What? There's, there's an echo in the record. Get out! Get 
So yes, we uh, we'll restart, shall we? Um, welcome back to Tech Talk on the final furlong. We're talking about our cookie crazy problems with our tech. Right, so uh, Twala's left, and um, it's up to, to Mark and I. I now know what Mark is going to say, which I don't like knowing. I like to be able to have it off the cuff, and I can't pretend because I'm not that good an actor. I tried that. It didn't work. So let's try this instead, shall we? Gee, I wonder who Mark's going to go for in my mind. You don't know, but you're about to find out. Uh, who does Mark like in the 125, the Kipco British Champions Long Distance Cup? This didn't. This problem didn't happen with David Pipe, by the way. Didn't happen with Graham McPherson. That was all good. We get to Baid and Tuala goes, I'm really sorry, there's, a, there's an echo. There's a what? Good. <laughs> all right, Trishan is the 15 to 8 favorite as he bids for a hat trick. In this race, we've got the St. Ledger winner, Elder Alderov, who's 9-4. to four. Waterville is 3s, 9s Coltrane, and then whatever price you want. Kaluki will be there on track at Ascot on Saturday. So go up and ask him whatever price you want. They might say no, but they're nice people, so they might say yes. Um, so watch out for them. Right. I wonder who you're going to go for, Mark. Who could you possibly <laughs> side with? Kipco British champion stakes. Who are you siding with? Yeah, so as this, as this is take two, we'll keep it short and sweet. We uh, mentioned Trushan may not be quite as good as it was last season. Elder Elderoff and Waterville are the improvers. Elder Elderoff wins. Is that good enough for you? I love that. That's absolutely spectacular. Um, <laughs> this is the kind of in-depth analysis that has made us number three on Apple Podcasts. That's why people want to listen in. They want to hear the, the nuanced take of Mark Milligan, which then gets condensed down to, uh, you've got until my mug of tea is done. And I'm already halfway through it. Uh, yeah, look, we, we oh, both yeah. we both really like Elder Alderov. Um, he's got a mark of 116. We both predicted Waterville would end up here, but the reality is he has to take a giant step forward. He might do it. He might. But from a betting perspective, Trushan doesn't really appeal right now. Elder Alderov very much does, especially getting the weight for age allowance. Yeah, the, the point that I made in that, that very, very succinct opening there was that you know, if you if you cast aside that tremendous performance by Trushan in the Northumberland Plate, we can't pretend that didn't happen yeah, because it, it did. It was a really good weight carrying performance. The balance of Trushan's form in group company it seems to be indicating that he's not quite as good as he was last season, and he's got a couple of young improvers in here to deal with in the likes of Elder Elderoff and Waterville and it's quite unusual we just don't often get a classic winner coming into this long distance cup race but we've got that in Elder Elderoff who won the St. Ledger and he won it in the style of a, a horse I think is going to be even better over this two mile trip I, I think he's just going to be better the further he goes and I'm really keen on on him in here Waterville needs to improve but that was a spectacular performance in the the Irish Cesaro which last time when he came from last to first and Wayne Lord and threaded the eye of a needle didn't he through that 30 runner field there and that was a performance that stamped Waterville as a future group one performer in waiting for me and I think in the likes of Elder Elderoff and Waterville Trushan's going to face a couple of real good up-and-coming youngsters here who, let's not forget, he has to give £9 weight for age to as well. Yeah, it's it's not exactly an ideal scenario. There is also a point that you made beforehand, which is 
there's a, there's a reality here where Alan King just goes, now we're not running. It's a possibility. I mean, I neither of us want to see that happen, uh, but the ground, there, there's not exactly a gigantic amount of rain forecast, uh, and if anything, it's going to dry out. So there's a possibility that we're going to be once again with the will they, won't they, Trushan uh, policy. He did win on good to soft ground last year, but Alan King was kind of adamant that he just didn't let himself down last time out. So maybe they don't, maybe we're back to that. And if that's the case, then Elder Alderov's price of nine to four would be long gone. Um, I'd happily take on Trushan uh, for all that it would be great to see him win, but no, we're, we're both happy to take him on. Right, the Kipco British Champion Sprint Stakes. Uh, again, good to soft ground. And we've got 18 declared runners as we record on Thursday evening. Creative Force is a 3-1 to one market leader. Rohan, who Oshin Murphy really likes for this race, although he did stipulate an each-way price. And when he heard the fours, he went, oh. But he still made a very strong case for him on Monday's show. Frankie Dettori continues his association with Kinross, who's 11-2. Art Power back in the winner's enclosure at the Curra last time, a 6-1 to one shot. Tom Marquand takes over from Christoph Sumion on perfect power at nines and tenebrism will run for Aidan O'Brien finally dropped back into sprinting company and she's 11 to 1 with Kaluki as we record uh, Mark who do you like? Yeah in our first iteration of this race we both came to the conclusion didn't we that we we kind of wanted a horse in this race who doesn't come from the established group of six furlong top performers because there's pretty they're, they're pretty much of a muchness isn't aren't they there, there isn't one outstanding six furlong group one performer this season and you could throw a blanket over them in terms of ratings certainly those towards the head of the market the likes of creative force roham art power naval crown etc and and i wanted to be with a relatively new kid on the block. And I landed on Brad the Brief, who will come here fresh, having had just the two runs this season. Both those runs were back in May. Beat Glenn Sheel, a previous winner of this race, convincingly at Haydock. He then stepped up into Group 2 company at the Curra, beating Moonista by half a length, but producing a performance that puts him right on the cusp of Group 1 level for me. Now, it, it wouldn't necessarily have been the plan that he would be off from May until now. That would just be crazy. He's presumably had some kind of, of setback in the interim. But I'm happy enough that, that Hugo Palmer wants to come into this race without a prep run under Brad the Brief's belt. He's going to be fresh. He's going to be a lot fresher than some of them in here. And uh, only a small step forward makes him a big player in here. So I wanted to get away from the established horses in here, the ones that are established at this level, the likes of Creative Force, Rohan, Naval Crown, etc., and go with a relatively new phrase. And, uh, and Brad the Brief um, fit that for me. And I've been hoping that they'll drop Tenebrism back into Sprinting Company basically for most of the season. I would have loved to have seen her in the Commonwealth Cup. I understood why they wanted to go for the coronation, I would have loved her in the July Cup. We get to see that now, and I think eleven to one is too big. Um, she's fast. It wasn't Ryan Moore's finest hour last time out at Parry Longchamp. The ground wasn't ideal either, but he pushed her 
for home way too far out, and um, I think speed is more of her thing. They've they've tried it at a mile. Let's see what she can do here. She's had a busy season, and that's a point that Ushin Murphy made as well. But she's tough. She's very classy, and this division is crying out for new blood. So I'm hoping Tenebrism, uh, who has been backed 14s into 11s with Kaluki in uh, today, uh, hopefully she'll be able to take advantage. This brings us to the Kipco British champions, Phillies and Mare Stakes. Emily Upjohn, in a first-time hood, is your 3-1 to one market leader from Eternal Pearl, 9-2, to two, Ashada, 6s, Mikyu. 13 to 2, let's do that very quickly. And a winner on Arc Weekend at Paris Longchamp, Cila Rossa, is seventh. You're very sweet on Emily Up, John Mark. Yeah, I am. And I can give you the, the, the clear reasoning behind that as well. She, for me, she simply did not run her race last time in the King George at Ascot. She was beaten 25 lengths. Whether that was something to do with the fact that she, because she was due to run in the Irish Oaks, wasn't she? And they had travel problems. So essentially they rerouted her to this race the following, would it have been the following week? King George after the, the Irish Oaks? I think it would have been. Yeah, it was it? exactly. it was exactly a week later. So they've had her primed and ready to go for the Curra, and she then sort of gets delayed, can't go there. They're then set back a week. The King George comes in as a bit of an afterthought, and she was beaten 25 lengths. Clearly, clearly wasn't her running. She was so impressive in the Musidora at York. I'm a hundred, still a hundred percent convinced she was much the best in the Epsom Oaks for all that. 10 to 1 anti post vouchers still haunts me in, in my nightmares in the wee small hours. She should have won that. I think if she was coming here on the back of that Oates performance, having not bombed out in the King George, she'd be very close to an even money shot for me. And the fact that I'm completely prepared to write that Ascot race off, I think she's tremendous value in here at the current prices. Yes, there is the prospect that she's been off a little while, but there's no one better than John Gosden at bringing horses back from, from layoffs. I, I, I'm really sweet on her in here. My enthusiasm was tempered a little bit by your enthusiasm for another one, though, who I, I think you're going to talk about now. Yeah, I really like Eternal Pearl. I, I'm, I, I wouldn't put anybody off Emily Upjohn. I'm just concerned that we haven't seen her since the King George. I really like Eternal Pearl. She's a very scopy, progressive horse who's now won two Group 3s back-to-back, four wins on the trot as well. She's been very highly regarded. She cost an absolute fortune, 700,000 guineas, and she looks every inch a Group 1 horse in the making. And I thought she was the most likely winner of this race on the basis of what she did last time at Newmarket. I remember thinking this, is, this would be an ideal race for her. I'm delighted she's here. Loved her performance at Deauville as well. There's an awful lot to like about her. Um, Journey took the very same route, won that race at Newmarket, and then went on to win the Phillies and Mares race uh, on Champions Day. And um, it, it's just a clear progression the whole way through with her. So I'm I'm very, very sweet on her. I love her form. Um, they had looked at the pre with her and decided not to go. And um, it's clearly all been about this day. It's a big day for Charlie Appleby as he tries to secure the champion trainer's title. Uh, William William Buick will be obviously crowned champion jockey, but 
there's a certain Mr. Haggis who's going to have a, a big thing to say about this as well. And um, this 283,000 in prize money is is going to be a, a big player here. And I think she's going to, I think she's the, the most likely winner. And the nine to two, it's just too big. She was sevens. She's now nine to two today. Um, I, I love her. I, I'm a big, big fan of Eternal Pearl. And she's going to be one of my more confident picks of the day. Um, from one, John and Thady Gosden favorite thought to another in spiral in the QE2 is even money with Kaluki. Even money. The French 2000 Guineas winner, Modern Games, who was second to Bayid in the Sussex Stakes, a four to one shot. He bolted up in Canada last time out. The Revenant gets Ryan Moore and is an 11 to two pick. And Jadumi, who has been supplemented for this race after a very impressive win in Ireland on Irish Champions Weekend, is 13 to two. James Doyle replaces Christophe Soumillon. So I asked you this already, but I'll ask you again. Should Inspiral be even money? Yeah, and this is the the real crux, isn't it? You've got two horses who are very closely matched on ratings. In fact, on official ratings, Modern Games is a pound ahead of Inspiral, albeit it does have to give the £3 sex allowance away to her. But the disparity in prices, even money to four to one, for me, is just too big. When I look at the balance of Modern Games' form, he won in the Breeders' Cup last season. He then won the French 2000 Guineas. He probably was a bit stretched when only third to Verdani in the French Derby itself. And then, conversely, probably found seven furlongs a little bit too sharp at Deauville the next time. He got within two lengths of Baid in the Sussex States, and not many horses can claim to get that close to Baid. He was an impressive winner of the Woodbine Mile last time. Let's be honest, he didn't do anything there that we weren't expecting, but the way he disposed of that field was very, very impressive. And I kind of asked myself the question, do I think Inspiral would be capable of getting within two lengths of Baid over a mile? And, And I wasn't too sure, to be perfectly honest. She's done very little wrong throughout her career. She was The the only time she's disappointed was that that flat run at Newmarket when she was beaten at 1-7. to She came back and won at Deauville by a neck last time. I just just don't think there's much between these two at all. And this this is a price play for me because I would have them much closer together in the betting than even money in 4-1. to one. Yeah, I was torn between Jadumi and Modern Games, and the second you said that, I jumped on the Modern Games bandwagon. That's older for me. He's officially the highest-rated horse in the race. He's off a mark of 122 and Spiral 121. Uh, I know his time form figure is good as well. His pro form figure is very good. She's going to be hard to beat, but not even money hard to beat. So... Four to one is, is too big, and um, the each way lucky 63 continues to gain momentum. Now, here's a race we haven't talked about because this is where Tuala went. Um, um, there's an echo. So, Baid, for the last time, struts his stuff on a race course, and yet he is not the focal point of all the marketing for the weekend. I don't understand it. Um, attendances are down across the board in racing, with the exception of one day which defied expectations and had a bigger crowd than in 2019. And that's York and the Jobmont International. Baid brings the crowd. And it may very well be that Champions Day is going to be sold out 
come today, but it's not sold out as we record. And I don't know why every billboard, every commercial, every promo is not something to the akin of see for the last time in person the unbeaten Baid. Be there for his last ever start. Ask it. 15th of October, be there in person. But hey, I'm not on the Ask It marketing team. And I love Ask It. I think they're they're they've got some great people there. Um, it's a tremendous race course. It's one of my favorite sporting venues in the world, but I don't know what's going on with the marketing. Anyway, Bayid, fours on with Kaluki, one to four. Adear, four to one. They could have gone for the arc, but Charlie Appleby's got his eye on that trainer's title, and so he comes here instead and uh, his second favorite. Baybridge is tens, and then after that, it's 28 to one. Uh, about the rest, we've got McSweeney, 66s for... Uh, my neighbor Jim Bulger and Aidan O'Brien's Stone Age is a 50s shot. Baid is very much the center of attention here. However, we can kick back, relax, and enjoy the race and see him strut his stuff one more time. But from a betting perspective, we haven't seen him since the Judmont International. Do you want to take him on, Mark Milligan? No, would be the short answer. The longer answer is that I think there's a horse in here who can really test Baid. And what I'm most excited about in this race is that Baid could finally be facing an opponent who could push him past that 140 time form rating barrier. The, the, the rating of 140, that's seals greatness does that 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 seals your place in racing immortality we're talking see the stars frankel territory there we're, we're talking the real real elite level now baid comes into this with a time form rating of 137 now you could argue that probably barring palace pier in Last year's um, Queen Elizabeth II on Champions Day, he's never faced an opponent of Adair's quality. Adair comes into this himself with a 130 rating. He did nothing but confirm that he still has four legs last time at Doncaster. He dispatched a pair of overmatched rivals very, very easily. But Adair's a really, really good horse. If a day I can run up to his best, he could really push Baid to achieve the sort of level that I, in particular, think Baid is capable of. I think that the time form rating of 137, I think, probably undersells him a little bit, simply because there hasn't been an opponent who's been capable of pushing him that little bit further to to get into that 140 region. I'm really, really hoping that Adair can do that this weekend and that we see a spectacular performance from Baid. I mean, to sum up, it's not a betting race for me, but as a, as a ratings geek, I'm looking forward to this more than any other race on the card. What do you make of Bay Bridge? Oh, Baybridge, you know, regular listeners will know that I was very, very sweet on 
Baid for the Prince of Wales estates at Ascot, where he just got he got Shane Crossed, didn't he? At Ascot, <laughs> basically, state of rest was given. Such a good ride in front. I was a little bit disappointed that Baybridge couldn't peg him back there. I kept the faith and thought that he could win the Eclipse and he was just underwhelming again. I was absolutely convinced when he won the Brigadier Gerard at Sandown in May that he was going to be a real top-notcher and he's just he's just underwhelmed me a little bit. It, maybe he can come back to the sort of horse that I thought he was going to be in the spring. I do remain to be convinced, however. Yeah, horses have flattered in that race in the past. Um, I think this is a betting race. Ooh. And I'm going with Adair. Uh, look, I, Baid is, is an amazing racehorse. There's no question about that. He's an absolute superstar. And I'd love to see him win. Because for a number of reasons, for his own story to retire unbeaten would be special. Um, Jim Crowley is an absolute gentleman. William Haggis is a gentleman. Shikahisa is back buying horses again. All of that's really important. But Adair is very, very interesting for this. And he was a top-class three-year-old. I mean, Mishriff was in top form last year and he beat him in, in a King George um, that was a terrific run in the arc and I don't think it was the best of rides from, from William Buick and this was an afterthought you know it almost always is when a horse goes for the arc and then this um, and for all that Sealaway was beaten in the arc and came out and won the champion stakes it, it doesn't always pan out that way and I, I was with Sealaway last year um, this time around they've trained him specifically for this he was pretty weak in the betting for all that he was a 7-2 on, on shot he was pretty weak in the betting um, at Doncaster, and yet he's done it very well. Um, he didn't... We, look, we didn't learn anything about him that day. We just knew that he's alive and he's well. But the the talk about his work since has been very positive. And Baid hasn't been on a race course for 59 days. And maybe that's going to be okay. Maybe that's going to be absolutely fine. Maybe he's so good, he's just going to blitz everything again. In which case, Jim Crowley's blowing kisses to the crowd, and that's fantastic. But Frankel was given a fright in this. And from an each-way-lucky 63 perspective, it's a pretty easy decision for me to put in at air. It's a pretty easy decision. So I'll side with, uh, with a day air. Um, I think fours is, is fair. I think that's the price you'll get Saturday morning as well. I don't think he'll, he'll take too much of a wonder in the market. I wanted to ask you about Baybridge because he was undone by a slow pace at Ascot and he was bumped for room behind Vidani and Vidani has gone on to finish second in an arc. So I thought it was reasonable to ask about him. I wouldn't be shocked if he ran a massive race here. But I do think it's quite telling that Ryan Moore is on Stone Age and not riding for Sir Michael Stout because there's clearly some kind of an arrangement there where Ryan can ride if he wants. Uh, and yet he takes the ride on, on Stone Age instead and, and he's just not good enough. No, he's just not good enough. Um, so I could see Max Sweeney running a big race. If you wanted to do a, a pure forecast with Baid, 
I could see Baid, uh, I could see Max Sweeney running a big race again. He was third in the race last year when he was a little bit stuck for room and he hasn't run for 112 days. I could see him staying on past beaten horses uh, depending on how this pans out. But overall, I'm, I'm going to side with Adair. And I can absolutely see that from an each-way perspective. It, it's going to be very difficult to keep him out of the three, isn't it? I, I'm absolutely convinced that Adair is the best horse that Baid will have faced in his career. There's an argument to say Palace Pier last season was in a similar sort of vein. Certainly the the best horse Baid will have faced over this 10 furlong trip. Adair is a proper 130 horse on time form ratings. I think Baid is going to have to be pretty close to his best, pretty close to that York form. To beat Adair, I just... Look, I'm not backing by either, so I'm not going to come on here and tip a, a one-to-four shot. I'm desperately hoping he wins, and I'm desperately hoping that he puts up the performance that we all want to see to cement his place in greatness, because he's been so good, mm. so good throughout his career, but what I shouldn't forget is actually he's only the second best horse in the world where all other ratings metrics are concerned, time form, official ratings, because Flightline, he's a 143 horse on time form ratings over in America. 20 lengths better, isn't he? 20 lengths better. (laughs) (laughs) Who'd have thought Baid could be on the cusp of 140 and still not be the best horse in the world? Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see him break that 140 barrier. I really would. That's what, as a ratings geek, that's the sort of thing that really gets my juices flowing. Yeah, it would be, it would be stunning. It would just be great for racing if he can go and win. I mean, who wins on Saturday if Baid wins? Racing wins. That's who. Uh, who wins if Adair wins? I do, and my bank balance. But if he, if he goes and does it, it's terrific. It's absolutely spectacular, and he'll be the he'll be the the picture that's used to be tweeted out to promote Monday's show, and he'll be on the front page of most newspapers and all that kind of stuff. It would be tremendous. But even if he's beaten, it's not going to take too much away from his legacy. You know, it, that's already cemented. It, do you know? Done. Do you know the one the one thing I'm really hoping for here, above all else, it's his last race, isn't it? It's his very last race. They can leave everything out on the track. If he's sauntering into the lead at the furlong pole, I want Jim Crowley to really ask him, ask him to go, ask him to go win the race by as far as he can. Let's find out where his ceiling is. He doesn't need to dot up on the bridle, does he, in his very last race? And then we're all left scratching our heads as to whether Baid had two lengths in hand, three lengths in hand. Just unleash him. Just let him go. Let's see how far he can win by. That's my my plea to Jim Crowley is just, look, it's his last race. Just leave it all out there on the track. Let's see exactly how good Baid is. Let's see if he can beat his daddy's 140 rating and really push himself into the pantheon of all-time greats. That's what I want above all else here. Well, that's kind of what Crowley did in the Jumet International. He just went, right, we're going to have two months off, so off you go. Go on. 
revved him up and let him go. And I think that is what he'll do. Because there, there's nothing else to play for. You're not headed to Japan. You're not going to America. This is it. This is the last time he's ever going to be in a race course. And they'll want him to be remembered. I just... It, it is playing on my mind slightly that Tom Queeley was probably thinking something similar with Frankel. And then all of a sudden it was, uh-oh. You know, it doesn't always pan out that way. And he's been... Yes, he's had time off. Uh, and it's only going to be five starts this season. But he did begin back in May. And I wonder with him, I wonder how this is going to pan out. So, look, I hope he wins. But I don't think it's an absolute guarantee that he does. So, a day are. A day are for me. But I, I suspect Crowley is going to go. If he's swinging along on the bridle as they're rounding the, the final bend, Jim's just going to go, whoosh, son, let's go. Show them all. And he could indeed put up a, a mark in, in the 140s. But at fours on, we'll look elsewhere. Uh, which brings us to the 440, the Balmoral Handicap. Now we're going to go shoot the lights out here. We're going to shoot the lights out, son. Because it's our last race of the weekend, so you and I are going for it here. Um, although my pick is probably sevens. Uh, Tourney and C, seven to one. For Roger Varian and Andrea Azzini, David Amara has the favorite with blue for you for Danny Tudhope, sixes. Migration, eights. Sweet Believer, eights with Kaluki. Bashorakov, uh, nines for the Haggis team with Marquand. Escobar, elevens. The snow on them, their hills. Uh, take it away. The 440 at Ascot, the Balmoral Handicap. Who are we shooting the lights out with? Yeah, now bearing in mind, we didn't talk about this race beforehand, nope. did we? Because we hadn't got as far as this. But I suspected on everything we've talked about previously on the podcast that we'd be on the same page here. And I think we are. Tyrrhenian C? Oh, yes. Let's go! Let's go! There's just... There's, if you're like me, you've just you've got that feeling that there's a big one in this horse and we haven't yet seen all that he's got to offer. I think circumstances on his last few starts have counted again. I'm not convinced he was in love with the the ground at Doncaster last time. I think this better ground on the the Ascot straight course will suit him. He ran well the time before at York from a a wide-ish draw, didn't he? That my Oberon race at Windsor was just a a little bit of a write-off. It just, I can't get away, I can't get out of my head that Tyrrhenian Sea is just a much better horse than we've been able to see on his last couple of starts. Yes, it's an open race. Up the Ascot straight track, yes, he's only around about 7-1. to one. But my word, I, I've had this horse earmarked for a big handicap since the start of the season, I'm really, really hoping this is the day for him. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, and I think he's got a massive chance. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed with him at Doncaster on the re- rearranged St. Ledger Day. Uh, I thought he would win that afternoon, but I've watched it back this morning. I watched it back before we started recording. Well, before we started recording the first time. And um, I've forgotten how well he travelled. And he does travel very powerfully. And I've had him in mind for a big handicap for quite some time as well. Um, 
you and I, and I think Ben as well, uh, we all backed him at York, uh, and that was a tremendous performance. And if he can replicate that, then he's right there. He's right there. Yeah, and absolutely. The, the variant team are, are in tremendous form as well. Um, I think he's tailor-made for this. Uh, the, there's going to be a strong pace on here, and it's a big field, and all those things combined to make this a, a really, really strong play as well. So Turiniancy is a reasonably confident pick for me. Um, this brings me to a each-way lucky 31, which I can tell you, it's not an each way lucky thirty one. It's an each way lucky sixty three. So if you did a fifty a fifty pence each way lucky sixty three, it costs sixty three pounds and pays sixty three thousand seven hundred and sixty three pounds. My selections are Elder Alderov, Tenebrism, Eternal Pearl, Modern Games, Adar, Tyrrhenian Sea. Let's go! What is the nap for Mark Milligan? We're going to go all the way back to the first race for the nap, and it's the St. Ledger winner, Elder Elderov. Five to two. Elder Elderov. He's too big. He's too big. We're coming for you, Trushan. We're coming for you. Uh, my nap is Eternal Pearl. I think this race is going to pan out beautifully for the Phillies and Mares champion race. Um, and that means that Mark's nap is also in there for me as well. Uh, so it's Elder Alderov, Tenebrism, Eternal Pearl, Modern Games, Adar, Tyrrhenian Sea. If, you, if you're feeling real lucky and you want to do a one pound each way lucky 63, which, full disclosure, is what I'll be doing. So that's 126. Let's put in the, let's put in the, the five each way accumulator as well, because you never know. You never know. So the one pound each way lucky 63 pays 133,526 pounds and 33 pence. The fiver each way accume 250,626 pounds and 75 pence. Let's go! <laughs> See you in Dubai! Right, that's it. That is Champions Day previewed, done and dusted, and hopefully we've found plenty of winners for you. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, from Timeformers, Mark Milligan. Thank you. And from me, Emmett Kennedy, you can hear our stable tour with David Pipe. It will drop Sunday afternoon for you. We go through uh, David David's stable stars, plans for the new season. We talk about the sales ring. Um, and just how difficult it is to acquire horses from France these days and how competitive uh, the sales ring has been. We talk about some horses who have transferred into his yard this year. We remember the late great Adagio as well, uh, and we get to talk about some old favorites who we haven't seen for a while who are on the comeback trail. Israel Champ, for example, gets mentioned. Uh, so you'll find an update on him as well. Uh, that is available for you Sunday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and whichever podcast app it is that you choose to listen to us on. And on that note, you're the reason that the podcast has been doing so well. We have surpassed our number of listeners this year compared to this time last year. And last year was our record year. So this is incredible. And that's all thanks to you. But you can help with that even further. Thank you, Siri. You can help even further in that by retweeting us, liking the content on social media, a five-star rating on whatever podcast app it is you're listening to. And if you've already done that, 
get your wife, your husband, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your brothers, your sisters, your best friends, your mothers, your fathers, your grandparents' smartphone, and give the old five-star rating there as well. Yes, that's right. I'm suggesting that you should steal smartphones to give us five-star ratings. That's not out of... That's not over the line, is it, Mark? No, I think everything's fair in love and rating, isn't it? Exactly. It all helps. You know, we're independent. We're trying to beat the, the big boys, and thankfully, thanks to you, we are. But the way we can continue to do that with the algorithm is by you just casually saying, oh, can I have that for a second? Thanks. Final far long. Five stars. Hit that subscribe button. So, steal as many smartphones as you need to and get that done. And uh, we have another competition coming your way very soon as well. And more stable tours on the way soon as well. Uh, right, from Mark Milligan and myself, we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Be safe, be well, God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced trainers, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pitches at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk.